Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. Hi there, it's Laura Wasser. And if anyone knows how much divorce sucks, it's me. I've been practicing family law for over 20 years, and I've worked on thousands of divorces. Creating peace in families is how I lost my voice. From the top of the food chain all the way down to my very first case, which was my own divorce when I was 25. I wrote the book on divorce, or I wrote a book on divorce. It's called It Doesn't Have to Be That Way, How to Divorce Without Destroying Your Family or Bankrupting Yourself. That book became a bestseller because it presented another option for ending a marriage, one that doesn't necessarily include lawyers and one that leaves more money in both parties' bank accounts and less animosity in their hearts. We created It's Over Easy, the one-stop breakup divorce resource online with the same principles in mind. So welcome to the Divorce Sucks podcast, where we talk about breaking up, getting divorced, and moving on. Good morning. Good morning. We've talked the whole night through. Good morning. Good morning to you. Hi, I'm Laura Wasser. I'm Johnny Rains. Welcome to the Sunny Side Up Report on the Divorce Sucks podcast here on Podcast One. Good morning, everybody. Why don't you tell them what the Sunny Side Up Report is, Johnny? Well, the Sunny Side Up Report is the It's Over Easy report about everything that's happening in the world of divorce, ripped from the headlines, pulled from the bookstores, pulled from our own blog. The bookstores. Because our first, our first thing on the Sunny Side uh, Up yes, Report today we have is, a book you know, report. A book. I am actually thinking of starting a Divorce Sucks it's over easy book club. Oh, fabulous. Yeah, I'll wait till my next, my book comes out. But this one is a fantastic book by our friend Julie Werner, PhD. It's, it's a kid's book. It's mm. called The Incredible Shrinking Girl, and it's out now. And it's a great, great story about kids and how they deal with and kind of internalize their parents' divorces. Yes, and it, her the main character in the book is, from the title you might have guessed, An Incredible Shrinking Girl. This little young lady. Uh, feels her name like, is Penny. She feels like she's getting smaller and smaller as her parents' divorce looms larger and larger in her life. And Jillian Werner, is is this uh, Julie's daughter? It could be. It looks, looks... Daughter or... Anyway. Niece. That's who illustrated it. So it's out by Roundtree Press. Pick up a copy if you have a child or a young friend whose parents are going through the process Next, from HuffPost, yes. by Brittany Wong. Uh-oh. <laughs> Our marriage survived and thrived once we opened it up. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Now that Brittany Wong, we featured her writing before on the show, and she always writes about very steamy subjects. Yes. Kathy and Thomas Keene discuss adding Nicole to their polyamorous relationship, and they explain the ways becoming a thruple. Did you get that, Jeff? <laughs> a thruple. Not a couple. Improve their marriage. So again, if you're thinking about going down the path to divorce, maybe one more stopgap is opening it up, Yes. Kathy Keene says, opening up our marriage and seeing Nicole has galvanized our relationship. Monogamy is wonderful when you first meet someone, but we feel that relationships always change over time, and being open allows us to accommodate this. So, Donnie. Yeah. Regarding the open marriage article. The thruple? Uh-huh, the thruple. I met this man. Yeah. And he had two wives. Mm-hmm. And I said, wow, that's big of you. And you know what he said? What? Damn right that's big of me. <laughs> <laughs> Next, from L.com, this is an Ask E. Jean. And we usually don't have other people's advice columns on the show. But I've been reading Ask E. Jean for years. I've always yes. been an L subscriber. And this one, she was just so right on the money that I had to pull it and send it to Johnny. Dear E. Jean, I'm scared to death of divorce, or rather life after divorce. My husband is an active duty army recruiter stationed in Florida. He wants me to continue living in Michigan where I have a great job and my parents help take care of our three-year-old son. This past spring, he visited Michigan for a week. I was extremely excited, but he stayed with his mother. (laughs) My son and I hardly saw him. There was no sex, and actually there never is. I'm writing because I'm supposed to visit him when I travel to Miami for my company's national sales meeting. I'll be 20 minutes away from where he lives. He just called and says he has several meetings during the time I'm there, Mm. and we won't be able to get together. I've started counseling to find out why I have a Disney movie view of marriage. I'm so sexually frustrated it's not even funny. I don't want to cheat, and good Lord, I'm terrified of divorce and having to find a new man who's good enough for me and my son. So again, I had to read that whole thing because what I love is what E. Jean writes back to her she calls herself 
Michigan, Michigan, my Magnolia, you are already divorced. Let me put it in Disney terms. Your nincompoop prince, instead of jumping in bed and plucking your begonias every <laughs> night, spends his leave cowering on his mother's roof like the raccoon in Pocahontas. We talk about this a lot on the Divorce Sucks podcast. If it's not working and you can't get it to work, start your next chapter. Yeah. Move on. If it's broken, fix it. That's right. Moving on, to, <laughs> moving on to four lessons from Je- the Jeff Bezos divorce. This has been in the headlines for weeks. This one is written by Jason Crawley, who is a divorce finance expert for Forbes. That came out on the 14th of April, and it's it's a great article. I really, really loved the message that Mr. Crowley gives. He's not only a CFA, a CFP, and a CDFA. So he really, really, and he founded a company called Divorce Capital Planning. He co founded Divorce Mortgage Advisors, and he's the founder of Survive Divorce. We will be reaching out to you, Jason. But he basically gives you these four tips. One is develop a divorce story. And again, this may be be, be more for people that are talking about you know, public divorces if you're somebody of note. This is really important because that story will kind of be what the media focuses on, right. and then they will move on. But that can even apply to just, you know, sort of Joe Schmo and Carol Schmo. Family, friends, Exactly. And stick to that together. One spouse badmouths the other. And before you know it, they're in the throes of litigation. Unnecessary. Stick with your story. And, and make it a story that the two of you come up with together. Expect bumps in the road. Absolutely. There's going to be things that happen. You kind of have to weather this storm. And again, it may be one of the last things you do as a couple, but you're doing this together. You need a team to help you, he says. And again, that depends on what your circumstances are. But if it's a divorce attorney, a certified divorce financial analyst, a therapist, a divorce coach, a co-parenting coach, any of these things can really help you. And if it's just members of your family who are there to support, that's your team too. And finally, keep it amicable. No matter how badly you've been wronged and as hard as it may be, remaining relatively friends or at least restrained is the best way to go through a divorce. Well, speaking of celebrity divorces that are in the news, Wendy Williams just was, uh, you know, reported that she's getting divorced. Uh, There was a video that came out on Daily Pop featuring, guess who, Laura Wasser, weighing in on the loss of privacy and some other issues. And, And really, I think your point about the fact that Wendy Williams is going to stop at nothing to keep it private was very interesting. Or that she should. I don't know if she will. She hasn't called me lately. Next, from Pop Sugar, yes, life is much more challenging as a divorcee, but we're all so much happier. This is a great article that was written by Susanna Hayes. It's a woman, it's an expose about how she is divorced, but she doesn't regret her marriage, how she really, really works to be the best parent that she can during the time that her kids are with her. And then during the time that her kids aren't with her, she seems to spend a lot of time organizing and cleaning her (laughs) house (laughs) as opposed to maybe not getting the mani-pedi or massage she wanted to get. But it really does seem like everybody in her family is happier. And I, I love just kind of the spirit of this article from Pop Sugar. She says, life as a divorcee has its own unique set of challenges. But what's so amazing is that the kids are happy. Mom is happy. Dad is happy. This wasn't the case when we were married. So I think we found the best situation for all of our well-beings. And finally, from Fatherly, our friends at Fatherly, Aaron Stern, joint custody isn't the norm, but it's more likely than it used to be. Hmm. And and what this talks about is how there is, you know, I say so often the law is the last thing to change. There has definitely been a shift with regard to custody for dads, and we are liking seeing that. Yes, absolutely. In fact, in this article, data supports the idea that that joint custody is evolving, as you said, and divorced dads are gaining more time with their children. And he really, he explains it the way I've had to do so, so many times. There's two kinds of child custody. There's legal custody, which is the control over decisions regarding a child's well-being, education, religion, health care. And then there's physical, which is, they also, in some jurisdictions, call it residential custody. So that's where the kids are, where they sleep at night, who has them the majority of the time. And the person who was interviewed for this article, which is Kevin Kelly, an associate law professor at Seton Hall, says that courts today start with a presumption of joint legal so that both parents, even if they don't have as much hands-on time, will make those big decisions and that if there's some reason that it shouldn't be that way, courts will see that. He says that in 1980, 
80% of the time, dads ended up having little or no custody, where right. parents, moms were granted sole custody of children. And by 2008, that rate had dropped down to 42%. And whether you're a mom or a dad, regardless of how bad a spouse your ex has been, the fact is that he or she still has the ability to either be or become a really great parent. And so before you start battling for sole custody, before you start trying to be a gatekeeper, do keep in mind that your kids really have a right to be exposed to both of their parents and make their own decisions about who they like, who they don't like, who right. they want to be like, etc. That's probably in most instances in a child's best interest to really have that exposure to both of his or her parents. So speaking of what's in a child's best interest, we had a comment on our It's Over Easy Insights blog, the article you wrote, Co-Parenting with an Asshole. This was just yesterday. Someone wrote in with this question about physical custody and legal custody. Apparently, the mother was not in favor of the kid going to religious services, and the father was in favor of the kid going to religious services. And so can you just back up a little bit and explain how that impacts uh, the, the religion of the child? Right. So that will be a legal custody decision. And it's very interesting. There's so many couples that when they have kids, they're both on the same page about religion, or they may not discuss it at all, mm. but there's no conflict. And then they split up. And inherently, you go, I want my kid to be like me. So I want my kid to be Jewish and relate Jewish and whatever, whatever you are. And I really don't want him or her to be like that person. Right. Your kid, if there's two religions in a family or if one person's more spiritual than the other, has a right to be exposed to both. Mm -hmm. um, you could go to court and have a judge tell you, oh, no, this child's going to be raised this way or that way. But what I generally recommend is that on your custodial time, if you're taking the child to services, great. You certainly can't force someone else to. I think you really have to dig deep and figure out why it is you want that. This has to be something I would hope that either you've gone into the relationship with an understanding about. In the beginning. Right. Yeah. If you had a Catholic wedding ceremony, then probably you your spouse knows that you're Catholic right. and that you may want to raise your kids Catholic. So these are the kind of things, and we say this so often, Johnny, that we really do need to have communication about. Absolutely. But ultimately, if you can't agree, a judge will make a decision. Yes, we are going to have that christening. Yes, we are going to let you do that bar bat mitzvah. And remember, this is spiritual. If you mm. want your kids to buy into any kind of spirituality, you both have to kind of be on the same page about it. Even if one parent isn't of that faith, taking them to the services, to the religious place. But that is a legal custody decision. And we do see that quite often, unfortunately, ending up in front of a judge. Mm who is really not the right person to be making that decision yeah. in terms of what your kid's religious upbringing will be. Well, thanks for the answer. Of course. God bless. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's the end of the Sunny Side Up report today. Next up is Tracy Tudor from Bravo's Million Dollar Listing Los Angeles. If a relationship can work, you should work for it. But not every couple is able to adjust to that or to weather the storm. Love may not always conquer all. So if you are contemplating divorce, the first thing you need to find out is how your state deals with family law issues. Then, if you have kids, you should also find out the basics of child custody arrangements and child support. And remember, especially where financial matters are concerned, when it comes to dissolving a marriage, self-education is key. You need to disclose what you have, what you owe, what you make, and what you spend fully and factually, which is precisely what the discovery process is all about. You and your soon-to-be ex can make decisions together about what's to be done with marital property or real estate that may have been acquired during your marriage. In most states, once an action has been filed, disposing of property unilaterally is forbidden. And to help us understand more of the ins and outs of buying and selling real estate, we've invited today's guest to join our conversation. She's one of the top agents at Douglas Ellum in Beverly Hills. She's the groundbreaking reality TV star who joined Million Dollar Listing Los Angeles in season 10 as the first female real estate agent to be cast as a principal in the ensemble cast. She's represented some of the most noteworthy brands in real estate, iconic architects such as Frank Geary, John Lautner, and Pierre Koenig. She also stunned the audience and her Million Dollar Listing co-stars when she revealed on the season 10 finale of the hit show that she and her husband of 17 years were ending their marriage. Welcome to Divorce Sucks, Tracy Tudor. Well, thanks. <laughs> what way to enter with a bang. <laughs> so let's talk about you a little bit. How long have you been a realtor? 
I've been in real estate for almost 20 years. Okay. And you got two kids. I have two girls, 13 and 10, Juliet and Scarlett. Okay. And tell us a little bit about what you talked about, not only at the end of season 10, but the beginning of season 11 regarding your divorce. Well, I was actually going through my divorce sort of privately uh, during season 10. No one knew it, obviously, outside of my husband and I, and we didn't sit down to tell the kids until the end of the year. So at that point, I obviously had to let production know that, you know, this is what was going to be happening. And so it was just really a black screen at the end with sort of updates from each of the realtors and what they had done since the show had finished shooting. And they all had, you know, so-and-so's pregnant and and, oh, God. <laughs> and James and David just landed an $80 million listing. And then, of course, dun, 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 Tracy has filed for divorce from her husband of I was actually 13 years. We've been okay. together for 17. But, Got it. Uh, and so that was, you know, it was a little – it was brutal and it was harsh. And I think the fans of the show were shocked on some. Some of them were shocked. Some of them not so much. And so that was difficult. But starting to shoot season 11 – I no longer was putting my children on the show. It was something that my ex-husband and I agreed to do in our settlement. Agreed um, not to do. Agreed not to do. Okay. Uh, in our settlement. And, you know, I obviously didn't have a husband anymore. So I was really shooting the show with zero personal life. Um, and it was difficult. It was an adjustment for me um, because I'm human and I have a personal life. But, you know, it's a show about real estate. So... Right. It's only, you know, you only see 10, 15% of the time our actual personal lives right. incorporated in. It's always interesting when dealing with public figures, which you are to a certain extent now because you've put your life on, on the show, how you all navigate the legal process, the emotional process, telling your public and also telling your kids. It's a very, very thin line. And I'm sure you guys dealt with this at the end of 2018 when you're like, okay, We've done this. Now it's a matter of telling the people in TV land and do and when do we want to tell our kids? We want to tell our kids first so that they don't hear about from a kid that whose parents were watching the show. But right. at the same time, we also don't want our kids talking about it. And then we haven't told our viewers yet. Right. And for me, unfortunately, um, we filed over the holidays, which is a good time to be doing it because everybody's mostly on vacation and stuff sort of passes quickly through the media. And, um, you know. I found, you know, when, when it was filed, it immediately went to all the outlets, mm -hmm. the media outlets, and was posted sort of everywhere. So we hadn't told our kids yet. Oh. And it pushed us to have to obviously sit down with them immediately, which we knew we had was impending. Right. But we wanted to take our time and, and you know, we were giving it a beat. Right. So it, it did force us into, you know, quickly having to sit them down. But we navigated it pretty well considering, you know, we were <laughs> struggling with the decision ourselves and right. trying to figure out how to how – to, you know, process it and, and obviously talk to our kids about it in a way that they felt still safe and protected. And just so that you guys out there know, in California, at least when you file for divorce, it's immediately public. So that's why you see people like breaking news, so and so filed, they get it immediately, it becomes a public document. So nobody in the courthouse is necessarily doing anything wrong by giving or selling that information. It's somewhat unsavory, but it does happen. And so it is very important before you file, if you are someone that the public will be interested in, that you tell whoever in your life is important, because it will, particularly that the person by the way, I have had situations where my client finds out that he or she is getting divorced by reading about it on TMZ or The Blast because that's who picks up the paperwork. So that's an important thing. Tell us a little bit, and this also has come up in some of my high-profile client situations about not the decision not to have the kids, the girls, on the show. That was something that, you know, I didn't necessarily agree with, but... It wasn't. It wasn't a make or break for me. Right. Having my kids on the show wasn't that important to me. It was. It was fun. Why did was, he feel strongly about no? I think that he wanted to use it to his advantage to negotiate a situation. Got it. So you guys know. Again, this is this is a thing that comes up a lot. And and as Johnny and I spoke about earlier on the Sunny Side Up report, this would be a legal custody issue. Having children in on I deal with it a lot with clients having children on Instagram, having child children on reality television, letting children work for pay as actors or actresses on shows, whether they be reality or not. These are all legal custody issues. Okay. So and how do the kids feel about that? You know what? They were fine with it. They were on it. I mean, if they were on 
on camera for a total of four minutes right. the entire season. Right. It was them having breakfast and walking out the door going to school. So if anything, it sort of interfered in their life more than anything. It was more of an annoyance. We had fun with it while it lasted, but they're fine with not being on TV. How many women are on the show now? Zero. Just you? Yeah. Okay. I mean, there's why. Because we could do like, Heather, Heather Altman is on the show and she's in real estate, but she's not a, a, a featured player. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Okay. My word, Heather. <laughs> <laughs> not Tracy's. Yeah. So there's. it's just me. Um, and so, you know. So we could do like a whole spinoff on your dating life. Oh, man. I think it would be really interesting. Listen, dating So then at LA. the end of next season on The Black Thing, we could Oh, yeah. Like, there will be a new Tracy slept with. <laughs> That's what I said. Like, we got into it a little bit in this season 11. Um, you know, I am dating. And we were like, God, God forbid at the end of season 11, there's another black screen with Tracy's broken up with, her, you know, her boyfriend of, you know, six months. But. Fortunately, it's, you know, I'm, it's pretty casual at the moment. How is co- – what's your ex's name? Jason. Okay. How is co-parenting going with Jason? I think at the beginning it was really difficult. I think when you're going through – you know, obviously we, we were able to get through the divorce. I, I'd love to see what your opinion was. But from the time I filed to the time it was final, it was just under one year. Okay. So, we, we you know, he held back quite a bit in the end, and there was a few tiny things that we had to get through, but it would have been even shorter. But through that period of the ups and downs of mediation and negotiating between attorneys on issues that were important to us, you know, we weren't talking a right. lot. Right. And so that was difficult. But um, the further I could get away from that and focus on the kids, the better it was. And truly, you know, when we see each other at school to watch the kids play basketball or whatever – we were always fine when we were in front of them. It's when we weren't communicating for periods of time and it was, you know, attorneys can get away in the way a lot during that time. I agree. You know, I we had two very different style. Uh, both of our attorneys were very different styles. His attorney was very everything must be in writing and in an email. My attorney was like, figure it out. You guys, you know, work, work on it. Be more casual. You know, you guys can do this. So... You know, when you're you're having to put in an email that you want to see, you know, the kids are running late from dinner at right. 5.30 because you have to have them, by, you know, it's like it gets a little silly. And I think that's taxing on the relationship. But we make so much more money when we write those emails. You get that, right? <laughs> I mean, the, we, I have a family to support, okay? <laughs> well, Just keep that in mind. <laughs> Trust me. I know. I had to pay mine and his. Oh, now, what are you living in the house that you guys all lived I am. with? Okay, you lived in. So you're living in that house. Tell us a little. We'll go back to you in a second. But I wanted you to tell our listeners: Do you work with a lot of couples that are going through divorces I and do. separations? I do. And how do you navigate that? Particularly now that you've done it. I mean, I know for me, being a family law attorney, having kids, gone, having going through breakups, having purchased my own home, I can say, yes, I understand how difficult this is to kind of wrap your head around the idea that there's another place they're going to be sleeping. I understand how difficult it is that you're going to have to be giving half of your retirement plan so that he or she can put a down payment. How do you navigate those and how has this experience, you going through a divorce, helped you be able to help your clients? I think it depends on... on- where they are in their divorce and and how they're able to sort of navigate dealing with each other. You know, sometimes it's been bad enough between, you know, ex-husband and wife that they have to have someone represent the wife mm-hmm. and someone represent the needs of the Which husband. Which means you guys split a commission. Yes. So that's Which, not so great. It's not so great, but at the same time, you know what's not so great? Going home and listening to calls from both parties until <laughs> 12 o'clock midnight when you'd like to have your own personal life as well. Right. It's like being an attorney for both parties. It's, right. I'm, I'm essentially doing the same thing, but I'm navigating the transaction in real estate. So right. So almost if it is volatile... I've found that working with an agent and a partner is the best way to go because they can communicate a little more effectively. Can you do it with two people within Douglas Elliman? Did that was that, I mean because we sure. can't do that at our firm. You have to have two separate attorneys. No, but could that help if each person has their own Absolutely. rep at the firm? And whether and you know what they should be able to pick the agent that they if if you know. Jack Smith is more comfortable working with, you know, James from the agency and she's more comfortable working with me at Douglas Elliman. If I I'm not getting more commission either way. Okay. I'm getting 50% of that commission and James is getting the other 50. Okay. So, so all right. it and doesn't it's not better. I mean, yes, it's better for the firm. Douglas Elliman would prefer me <laughs> to keep it within the company. Right. We have to do what's best for the client. Okay. When things right. are actually 
kosher and you know you have an amicable divorce which we all want and Mm -hmm. by the way that's where I started we're gonna have this amicable beautiful divorce and it's gonna be we're gonna go to mediation for two hours we're gonna work out a few things and then we're gonna move on it's it's never as easy as you think it's gonna be but if you're relatively amicable and you have an agent that you've been working with for a long time that you trust then you know there have been moments where I've been able to do that but it gets ugly as time goes on. And, and, you know, real estate assets is sometimes the biggest asset that a couple has and obviously one of the most complicated. Have you seen situations where couples are nesting? Like there are two couples that are actually yeah, living in a house? So freaking weird. <laughs> I don't get it, Laura. I don't know how you do it. Well, I don't do it, but I but I do. I think sometimes it is really, really great for the kids for a transitional period. I don't know that people. I mean, there are couples that make it work forever God bless for a them. transitional period, particularly if a house is listed. Then they know they're going to be moving because it is their biggest asset. So maybe they each get smaller rental places, and then the kids don't have to move, and they can kind of get used to the idea of mom's time, dad's time, but all in the same place. I personally wouldn't advise it. <laughs> But I, I, I just think it complicates things between – and I also think, you know, when you're talking to your kids, and this is not my area of expertise. I've just been through it. Um, you know, I think honesty and, and the, is the best policy, and I think being forthright and not sort of dragging out what the inevitable is right. is the best way for kids to move on cleanly and without sort of the, the, the complicated nature of potentially living in a house for the next two years with mom and dad moving out around you. And, and by the way – Starting potentially new relationships. I don't know how you clean that up. It seems very messy to me. Right. How many couples or how many how many listings do you have? Would you say that the mom um, is in the house until it sells, as opposed to dad? Like dad has vacated, mom's there. She's setting up the showings. I I, ninety percent of the time, really, it is the woman that stays in the house and the husband moves out. Okay. Why do you think that is? I think because the mom is usually in my in my client's situation the primary caretaker of the children mm-hmm. and the husband is generally the earner. Okay. So he can move out easily, continue to work. She's maintaining the lifestyle of the children in the home that they grew up in until such time that the house sells. Home selling advice for people getting divorced. I know that you were on what watch what happens live with Andy Cohen. So tell our listeners what you thought was that tackiest home design trend that immediately depletes a home's value. You know, I just say less is more. Like there's everybody no has. No more tchotchkes? Yeah, it's a tchotchkes. I, a figurine. I mean, I just want to throw it. I, I can't deal with that. I, it's just too much, too much personality in one house. I think, you know, for your listeners, the more that you can limit the amount of personal belongings that are in your home when you're going to sell it, the better someone else can imagine themselves living there. That's a very good point. Um, so putting away personal pictures, I mean, <laughs> I can say this because my ex-husband and I are in a really good place, but like I still have like, you know, the family photo wall sure. and like Jason's missing from half of those photos. <laughs> that would be super awkward if I right. listed the house and left some empty frames up. Like, right. Get rid of your, Right. no one wants to know about any of that. Tracy, have you had situations where one spouse or the other is trying to get the house sold, but because of, and just so you know, listeners, once you file for divorce in the state of California, something called standard um, automatic temporary restraining orders go into place. Those have nothing to do with domestic violence. They have to do with disposing of your property. So you can't say, well, we're getting divorced. I'm going to sell this house. Both of you have to be on the same page about listing and selling a house, even if you're not happy about it. And also, if you can't make decisions together about who you're broker should be or what the price should be, then you're going to have a judge making those decisions for you. But backing it up, have you had situations where one spouse or the other has like called you and wanted to list it and you're like, well, what does the other person say about the listing agreement? all the time, by the way, whether they're getting divorced or together. Yeah, exactly. They could get divorced after the situation happens. You just want to make sure that they're on the same page. And and I think that's the most crucial conversation. And I always try to have a conference call with both parties. And if it is volatile and maybe the first party's reached out to me already, then I will set up um, an opportunity to speak with the second party directly and say, listen, if, if you think it's going to be volatile as well, or it could potentially become that, let's bring in, a, let's bring in someone to represent you and, and I'll represent the needs of, of my initial relationship or client. Right. So it's happened both ways. You know, I think it's what also is an interesting play and you actually might be able to answer this. Um, I get this question all the time because I'm going through it and there's other women going through it. Um, and 
women DM me, I'm single moms, I'm a single working mom, and they ask me advice about getting divorced. I had a prenup in place, which is also public. Um, you know, so there were certain stipulations to that prenup that the single family residence was mine, right? So people always talk about in California after 10 years, like it all goes, that wasn't the case with me. That's not the case with anybody. I don't know what that rumor is, but like someone needs to disabuse all of you of that notion. There's something that's called a sunset clause, which some couples will put into a prenuptial agreement, which says after 10 years, this prenup kind of disappears. First of all, our firm doesn't find those to be enforceable. We think that that could render the agreement unenforceable because it's promotive of divorce. Because after 10 years, the person that's been waiting around is like, bye, girl. I mean, so that we don't usually include those. Obviously, people can have them in. There's certainly nothing automatic about 10 years. Another 10-year myth is the one that kind of surrounded the... um, the Tom Cruise divorces, which is, oh, God, it was 10 years. 10 years is generally defined in California as a long marriage. Now, that is not a bright line determination. That will only have to do with support. If you've been married for more than 10 years or if it's a long-term marriage, and that could certainly happen at nine and a half, or a judge could find that 11 years wasn't really a long-term marriage, that will determine how long the court will have jurisdiction over spousal support. But again, this 10-year thing in terms of a prenup blowing up, whoever's DMing you, that's just not the case. If you have that in your prenup, you may try to depend on that. But I would imagine that somebody might say, "Oh no, no, that's not a good. That's not a good clause. We don't put them in." Yeah, I know that was a little off topic, but no, no, I think that's it important. Comes, it comes up all the time between my girlfriends now, and you know, some incredibly educated in in the you know been going through the divorce. But everybody's talk talks about that constantly. If you have a prenup. And it has a 10-year or 15-year or whatever, what I call like a sun, a sunset provision, then that's something that you can be talking about if you're going to divorce with your spouse. If you don't, guess what? And you're not divorced and you're happily married, maybe you go to your spouse and say, honey, it's been 10 years. Can we have some kind of an amendment to our prenuptial agreement that says these clauses don't affect me anymore? Because I'd like to live for the next 50 years knowing that we're going to be married. Unless Unless you have it in writing, it's not there. Right. Okay. Tell us a little bit about your history and relationship with a million dollar listing. I, I don't know enough about it. I don't have enough time to. I, I too, am a single working mom. I don't watch enough TV reality no. or otherwise. So tell us. <laughs> uh, I appeared on season nine. Uh, I was showing a, a property to a client to one of Josh Altman's properties. And um, we ended up making an offer on that property. So I had a few scenes on camera with Josh. And after that aired, production came to me and said, would you be interested in sitting down with us to discuss potentially being the first woman on um, the franchise, LA franchise? And I said, oh, oh, okay. Um, We sat down, we talked, and over the course of three months, we felt like we were all on the same page and that I could hold my own on the show, and I started shooting season 10. And it's been a great experience. The guys are incredibly supportive of me being on the show. They all agreed that there should have been a woman on the show a long time ago. You know, we represent over 60% of the working force in real estate across the country, and you know, we probably should have more than one woman on the show. But that said, to at least be represented as a female in what has been a now going into their 12th year um, on Bravo, one of the longest running shows on Bravo, to have a woman represented was a huge thing. And the guys are great. We have a really good time shooting it. Is everybody from Douglas Elliman? No. No. No, no, no. Uh, We're represented at the agency, uh, Douglas Elliman and Rodeo Realty. So two of us are at Elliman. Oh, I think I know the guy from the agency too, Mauricio. James. Oh, was but it, did it used to be? No. Oh, uh, Mauricio was on the ho- is on the Housewives. He's married oh. to Kyle Richards. Yes. And, okay. Yeah. That's so, and, and is the beyond being fantastic and intelligent and attractive? Wh- what's the criteria? You have to be of a certain level of salesperson. <laughs> I mean, I laugh because you know, uh, you know, truthfully, m- most of the guys on the show sell more than me. Um, some double what I sell. Um, they're not single moms, right? Um, you know, they don't, they're not in my same life situation. So I don't think it's necessarily that you have to be at a certain caliber. You obviously have to be successful in your own right. 
I and you're selling it. a certain kind of home, right? Exactly. I mean, we're not talking about track homes and, no, you know, Valencia. Sorry, again, yeah. all of you Valencia listeners. I know live, you're all out we there. Live, we live in a market and we're in Los Angeles and that's what the show is about. Right. So, yeah, there is a certain caliber of property that's depicted on the show and um, clientele as well. So that's one thing. And I think secondarily, you have to have a pretty big personality that particularly being the only female on the show, I had to be able to ward off the the male uh, you know, they're, they're just, they're big personalities right. and they have been doing it a lot longer than I had. So they needed to make sure that if a woman was going to come in and be a part of the franchise, that she was going to be able to hold her own. Do your clients ever object? Are they ever like, I don't know. Or, or I work with a lot of celebrities. Um, I do not ask them to do the show. Okay. Um, you know, they're all, mo- well, I, I had Rose McGowan do the show last season, which um, was a very emotional episode because it, she was selling her house to um, basically raise funds to fight Harvey Weinstein. Right. So that was episode one. Right. And it, it was, there was a lot of tears and I had to sell her furniture in an estate sale. I mean, it was a really intense wow. yeah. um, scenario. But for the most – and that was something that she wanted to be out about. So that's why she ch- opted to do the show. She'd been a client of mine for a long time. But more often than not, most of the celebrities I don't ask to do the show. And some of my higher-profile clients aren't interested. And some of them are. And some of them have a really good time with it. Some of them love the show and are fans and are like, I want to do it. So you negotiate the deal. I'm sorry. I'm just I'm fascinated. Yeah. You negotiate the deal on the show. So it's kind of – I mean – So, you know – for the most part, everything that we do on the show is live when it's happening, when okay. we can. There's times where I don't walk in the door for every single listing appointment with a camera. Right. Sometimes I have the listing appointment and then I say, are you guys comfortable doing the show? And if they say yes, then I say, can we reshoot this? Right. And, you know, exactly how it is. Um, but for the most part, once that commitment is made... Anytime there is any opportunity for a showing or an open house or once the offer comes in from the agent, we're shooting it. Okay. So it's not just getting the sellers involved. It's getting the buyer to agree. Right. It's getting the agent to agree. And so it's a very complicated. Is that, that must I be shoot such a hassle. It is not fun. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that part. But, you know, like we do what we can. We, we shoot. Most of these reality shows shoot within three, four months. Right. We shoot year round because half of the shows that half of the properties and clients that we shoot, maybe the property doesn't sell. So it doesn't air. So we're constantly having to right. continue to roll it down, you know, roll the ball down the field and try and find someone else to participate or, you know, and if not, and not everybody's on board, then sometimes, unfortunately, that property, even though it might be interesting, um, doesn't, doesn't get featured. Have you had couples where one couple wanted to be on the show and one partner wanted to be on the show and the other didn't because they were going through a divorce or just, and that, that kind of killed it. I wouldn't even, I wouldn't <laughs> even ask. No. Like anyone going through a divorce that wouldn't, just wouldn't be a conversation. I would even have a, a right. see listeners. That's why you all say to me like, Oh, do you want to do a reality show? No. Cause nobody wants to be on a reality show when they're getting divorced. Oh my God. Hey, I don't even know how you, that, that would be very difficult to manage. I, I, I agree. <laughs> Alexa isn't the only one with breaking news. Make sure to hang around at the end of this podcast for the latest breaking headlines on the AP News Minute. Mother's Day is just around the corner. Jen and I always talk about throwing a pair of hoops. By the way, mine are from Claire's from forever ago still. They're like rotting, but they were. They're really cute. <laughs> Now's the perfect time to check out Mama Said with Jamie Lynn Sigler and Jenna Paris on Podcast One. Brought to you by the Lady Gang Network. If he does something negative like shove his brother or call the nanny stupid, mm-hmm. which he did yesterday, we take him away. Download new episodes of Mama Said every week on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. listening to Divorce Sucks. I'm your host, divorce attorney Laura Wasser. In case you missed my Reddit AMA the other day, someone asked, what are the considerations to take into account when you're getting divorced and there are children involved? My answer, put your kids first. Don't speak badly of your spouse in front of or within earshot of them. Make custody decisions which will enable them to be comfortable and transition easily. Think about how you can be the best co-parent moving forward and stick to your decisions no matter how difficult it may be. 
Our guest today is one single mom who's doing exactly this, all while keeping the proverbial plate spinning by killing it on the local and international luxury real estate scene as one of the top agents at Douglas Elliman Beverly Hills and being the first female real estate agent to star on and become a series regular on Million Dollar Listing Los Angeles. She's Tracy Tudor, and we're speaking about real estate and co-parenting. So is there going to be a season 12 of MDLLA? <laughs> uh, we are starting to shoot, yes. I'm not going to ask you about it, but tell us, I mean, tell us a little. I have to ask you about the addition, though. Can I ask you about the addition? Sure. Okay, so the addition is this hotel and residence thing that's going up on the corner of Doheny and Sunset quite close to my home. So every time I want to make that turn or whatever, there's some construction worker. I've become friendly with all of the guys on the project because as I'm driving my kids to school, they're going to lunch with their hats and their lunches. This better be an unbelievably fucking amazing hotel. Oh, it's fucking good. Okay, plug. Go ahead. It's really good. We're almost done with it, Laura. So I promise we're going to start moving people into the condos that I'm selling on behalf of uh, the edition in July and August. Okay. So we're really we're really wrapping up here. How it many a, residences and how many guest rooms? Uh, it's 190 hotel rooms, 20 residences, ranging from two to four bedrooms. Uh, there was, excuse me, one to four bedrooms. And, um, you know, these residences are done by Ian Schrager. Uh, the architect involved on it is John Pawson. He's an AD100 architect. His work is timeless. He's only done one other single-family project in Los Angeles that traded close to $80 million. Wow. Um, he's incredibly talented. I can't release the name of the restaurateur that we've gotten involved, but I'll say it's Michelin starred. This hotel is bringing life to what I think is otherwise a fairly lifeless hotel hotel world in Los Angeles. You know, outside of the peninsula, the forest. I was going to say neighborhood. I was like, excuse me, I'm t- the life of our neighborhood. It's, it's just, just kind of tired. The, hotel, you know, but- like we need, we need some life in our hotels here. And I mean, we're a major destination. There's a lot of international traffic coming in here at this point. And so it was a perfect time for Whitcoff and New Valley, who are the developers, to come in and really build something that I think is going to be lasting, sophisticated. And you're also the U.S. ambassador for the Royal Atlantis Resort and Residences in Dubai. Oh, my goodness. Have you been to Dubai? Yes. And how is Dubai? So that was like a crazy experience. I got contacted by our partner, uh, Knight Frank, and they said, you know, we're interviewing, you know, three, four different brokers in the country from Douglas Elliman to be an ambassador. We want to, you know, do some initial interviewing and we want to fly you to Dubai to meet the developer. So lo and behold, I ended up in Dubai on the finale of the show this season and interviewed with one of the biggest developers in the United Arab Emirates. Um, and they are building a world-class iconic building with the biggest architects and landscapers. And I have to say, like, it's an unbelievable project to be a part of and over a billion dollar sellout. Caroline Stanberry! Welcome to Dubai. Oh my God. Oh, wow. How are you? This oh is Erica. Hi, Erica. Erica. Nice Erica, to Caroline. meet you. Nice to I've meet heard you. a Welcome. lot about you. Well, look at this one. <laughs> this is the newest edition. He's so happy to have us. What's his name? Taz. He, so he came named. He was, funny enough, a gift from the palace here. I went to visit and we came, my children came home with the dog. <laughs> He's like another child. Very, very needy. Come in. <laughs> wow. Caroline Stanberry is a friend of our family. She is from London originally and has moved to Dubai because of her husband's new job. So, of course, when I had this opportunity to go to Dubai, I called her immediately. Your house is gorgeous. Oh, thank you. We literally did this whole house in five weeks, plus make the furniture. Oh, my gosh. You have to take us on a tour. I will take you on a tour. They build so fast here, but you get a lot more bang for your buck, I think. But actually, oddly, it's similar to the layout we see in L.A. all the time. And here you look out. I mean, all these doors open back, which made me feel like L.A. Totally. The garden's a lot smaller here. It's so hot, people don't really use them, and everyone goes to the beach. Right. Well, how many bedrooms? Six. And I've turned it into five, because I used one for my closet. Of course you do. Of course. So this is the guest room downstairs. And then all the kids are next to me, which I love. So we built the beds, we designed all of this, everything. Where are the kids? I hope in school. school? Yeah. 
I think the driver dropped them off somewhere. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, our happy wow. place. Oh, well, can we talk about this for a minute? I know, right? It's got Tracy written all just, over it. It really does. I, I mean, sequin. I mean, you know I love it. I'm just, ugh, beautiful. Like, got, I think, about 10 minutes till the cars arrive. Okay, cool. So how has it been? Like, I mean, what a culture shock going from London to Dubai. I really assumed it would be a huge culture shock, and it just hasn't. I mean, look at me. I'm dressed You're as traveling. I normally yeah. would be. Okay, I'm a little bit, like, more aware, as in, you know, I've got trousers on, and maybe I'd be wearing jean shorts, you know. But other than that, nothing. Nothing's changed for me. In my house, if I want to walk around all day in a bikini, I will. But, <laughs> yeah. So you've been, you've been to Dubai before? Never been to Dubai, ever. Actually, never been to the United Arab Emirates at all. Until? Until I had this opportunity to go and um, interview to represent this project, uh, the Royal Atlantis Residences. So I got there, and I immediately thought of my friend Caroline, who had just moved there and is, you know, an expat, essentially, and living in Dubai, but was in the UK. And so I sat down with her and I had her walk me through what it was like to, A, be living in Dubai, because obviously we all have preconceived notions about what it might be to live, you know, in that part of the world, particularly for a woman. Mm -hmm. um, a blonde woman. No Caroline's blonde. Very yes. blonde. Very blonde. <laughs> And, uh, you know, I, I really learned quite a bit. I think there's there's a lot of misconceptions. Um, you know, I, I, of course, you know, they want you to be respectful and there's certain expectations about being out in public um, and how you should be dressed and, and how you should maintain certain relationships as far as, you know, personal relationships. But I found when I was there that I didn't experience – and you can see how I'm dressed right. in the show. It's not like, a, it, you know, I'm – Wearing a burqa. No. And I and it's I good covered, burqa. I made sure that when I met with the developer, he was obviously in his traditional robes and um, is very connected to royalty there. And I made sure that my shoulders were covered and my knees were covered. But I also wore a red dress by Rolla Marais. Right. So, you know, I had to, you have to maintain some semblance of yourself and make sure that, like, if I'm going to stand there for a week and figure out if I can sell this property at all to the U.S. market, I need to understand that the U.S. market is going to be attracted to it. Right. And exactly. really, they're a top 10 prospective buyer now in Dubai. Wow. So now, as a working mom, how, how much more travel will be necessary for this project? Not really. I'm going to be traveling a little bit into major markets in the U.S. Right. But I won't be traveling to Dubai okay. as much. Okay. Um, so as a single mom, yes, that was something that came up uh, when I was considered for the position because I can't. My, my business is in the U.S. My right. business is in Los Angeles. Right. So I will go to New York this summer and we'll host an event there. We'll host events in L.A., Chicago. You know, these are a couple of nights where we get to get brokers together and prospective buyers and really educate them about – you know, advantages of, of starting businesses there right. and living in Dubai because there are tax breaks and there's also a lot of value there. I have to introduce you to my friend, Catherine Gauthier. She's with Douglas Elliman I in New York. I love Catherine. Oh, you know her? She's a badass. Oh. Hi, Catherine. She's so fun. Hi, Catherine. <laughs> it's her birthday today. Is it? Mm -hmm. Today is her so birthday. so cool. Catherine, you probably will never listen to this podcast, but you <laughs> really should. Okay. How is Jason when you have to travel? You know what? He's is been he great? great. He's been really great. And I think, you know, once we sort of got through... The, you know, initial communications and, and now, of course, we're the divorce is finalized. We've we communicate a lot better. And that's allowed for that divorce agreement that you the custody stuff mm -hmm. that you sort of are so focused on every little holiday every and every second. Saturday and every other. All of it is like so hyper focused on it all kind of goes away once you start co-parenting hear correctly. that listeners just let it and it's so true it's uh, by the way you're like fighting fighting for wednesday nights and by year two you're like oh, can oh you god please can take a wednesday up, night please <laughs> yes and that's what's been great for me is and and i totally also get because i just came out of it understanding that you know there isn't a lot of trust there when right. you're going through the divorce you don't trust that they're going to be on the other side of it in six months right. and you're going to be able to work it out together but it has worked for Jason and I. And so, you know, I mean, I'm, he's supposed to have him for Easter Sunday. And he's like, I don't know what to do on Easter Sunday. Do you want to like, you know, and it's great Good. because we Good. can work together on it. Good. 
Tracy, with all of your real estate deals, I would imagine you've worked with lawyers across your career, so you may be familiar with interrogatories. We've adapted this tool I use in my legal practice to work for us here on Divorce Sucks. Are you ready for the Divorce Sucks interrogatories? Oh, my goodness. Okay. <laughs> Do you swear to tell the whole truth and nothing but the truth? I'm not so sure. Okay. Good, <laughs> good answer. Good deflection. I know your daughters are your number one priority, but you said on a recent episode of your show, Million Dollar Listing LA, that you might be ready to get back into the dating game and see what's out there. So tell us, are you dating anyone special now? Yeah. I'm dating. I, you know, I mean, I think I gotta, I think I gotta take a minute and just date around a little bit. I, you know, it's kind of like when you haven't had, you've had vanilla years. ice cream for 17 yeah. years, you know, my chocolate chip. I Absolutely. And it's a really good opportunity for you to kind of represent yourself if yes. to nobody else than to yourself. Just 100%. kind of, I was saying to a girlfriend on the phone this morning, go on a date. She'd been married around the same time as you. And I said, go like have somebody look at you and kind of take you in and see that like approving kind of, oh, she's hot. You haven't seen that from your husband for nobody's fault, but it's just vanilla ice cream after 17 years. Yeah. It's fun dating. You just have to be open to it. Are you on any dating apps? No, No. I can't. Just through friends? Yeah. Okay. And um, which rom-com could you watch on repeat? Oh, God. Wedding Crashers, for sure. Absolutely. And for all of us divorce attorneys or mediators, the beginning scene where Rebecca DeMornay and Dwight Yoakam are in that room and she said, you keep your mouth (laughs) shut while you're talking to me. And he's kind of like, how could I even do that? It just shows the level of irrationality and the level of how people cannot even communicate anymore. And so, yes, I love that one, too. What's your favorite (laughs) breakup song? Oh, um... Well, there's got to be one of those pink songs that I was listening to last night. I'm so obsessed with her. Um, Raise Your Glass. Okay. Yeah. And what would you say to cheer up a friend who is going through a breakup? It gets better. Mm-hmm. Much Time better. Heals. This too shall pass. Yeah. With tax season thankfully behind us, some of you may be dealing with the impact of the new rules regarding spousal support. As of January 1st, 2019, spousal support is no longer deductible. If your agreement was entered into and became a court order before the state, support remains as agreed, so don't freak out. This affects our negotiations as if spouses were in different tax brackets. It could be huge savings to the payor spouse. Now, spousal support is treated the same as child support, non-taxable or net. This is the Divorce Sucks Podcast, and I'm your host, Laura Wasser. It's my job to know these things, and if you have more questions about family law, check out our online library at It's Over Easy on the Insights blog. Our guest today is the luxury real estate agent at Douglas Ellum in Beverly Hills, Tracy Tudor. She's the groundbreaking reality TV star who joined Million Dollar Listing Los Angeles in season 10 as the first female real estate agent to be cast as a principal in the ensemble cast. She's also recently divorced mother of two who, like many of us, is dedicated to balancing work and life as best we can. Tracy, thank you so much for joining us today on Divorce Sucks. Please tell people where they can find you online. Uh, You can find me on tracytutor.com. I'm also on any real estate app that you can drum up or figure out. I'm sure there's like 50 at this point. And, you know, I'm in Douglas Elliman, Beverly Hills. So all you have to do is Google me at this point. And your Insta? My Insta is at Tracy Tudor. Okay. Thank you guys for listening to Divorce Sucks. Tracy, thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Laura. We will be back next week with more divorce stories, and I'm looking forward to speaking with you then.